Welcome and thanks for listening to the Spirit of Time podcast. It's a spirited discussion of watch topics and some of the cool bon vivant stuff that overlaps our hobby, especially fine spirits, craft beer, cocktails, and wine. In other words, if it's boozy, smoky, sudsy, or smooth, we'll probably talk about it. Think of it as a watch-focused happy hour for your commute. We are your hosts. I am Matt. I'm Greg. Thanks for listening and enjoy the episode. All right, we're back in action. Matt, how are we doing today, man? I am awesome, dude. I think I was just telling you in the pre-chat that I, right before coming on, I was uh, handling some details, finalizing a booking for a a big vacation to Hawaii. Haven't been to Hawaii in decades. I'm stoked. You can see I'm wearing the Hawaii shirt. And uh, yeah, I'm I'm excited, man. It's basically going to be a big trip, kind of combining two big family events. And I'm I'm ready for it, dude. How about you? What's up? Yeah, I think uh, I, I know you've done some you've done some travel over the last few few summers and years, but I think this will probably be one of the bigger ones you've done in a in a while. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I have an issue, you know, with one of my kids is allergic to everything. So anytime we go anywhere, you know, it's not just a question of going to sit down to a restaurant or whatever. We do the thing where we you know have to rent an Airbnb or something. Basically, we need to cook and, you know, make food and that kind of thing. So the big trips, the far trips, um, logistically are always a little bit more of a headache, but in this case, uh, yeah, I'm renting a condo out there. going to do a week in the, the sun and just basically kind of unwind for the first time in a long time. Well-deserved, much deserved. I know you guys are celebrating some big, like you said, some milestones, which is going to be pretty fantastic too. We've been, we've been pre- uh, scheduling some travel. Well, we'll be, uh, we'll be traveling in about a month or yeah, about a month or so. Uh, and then trying to figure out some other travel plans throughout the summer and the fall. And man, it's like all that planning is, uh, it's, it's a lot of work and, and, and it feels expensive and it feels like it, it's time consuming. And then once it's there and you get to just sort of anticipate the trip, it's, it's all worthwhile. Yeah, totally. My wife is starting to get like a hint of the price tag of some of this stuff. And I'm like, no, we're doing it. We're doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Stay we're the course. It. Stay the course. Hey, before we get too far down the road, we're recording on uh on a friday which is actually a little atypical for us but it seems kind of fun feels a little more happy hour ish for this is uh, how we used to do it back this is how we used to do it man yeah back back to our roots sort of i think yesterday did you notice both oris and weiss celebrated birthdays yesterday i did see that yeah Yeah. how how ironic yeah a hundred maybe uh 99 years apart perhaps something like that i want to say uh uh, Oris was 119 and, and Weiss might have been celebrating 10 or 10, I think. Yeah. Yeah. So that's pretty cool. Congrats and happy birthday to all those peeps. Yeah, totally. Well, Hey man, we can talk about the weather. Um, but we won't, uh, because we have a guest and we like, we always want to respect our guests time. So why don't we kind of launch right into this? We're joined actually by, um, Zach Wiley, from the anti-watch watch club. Then I've Zach, help me out here. I've seen references to anti-watch club and anti-watch watch club. What's the correct way to say it? Uh, so anti-watch watch club is the correct, um, it's our correct name. It's our, it's our correct, uh, you know, corporate name. Um, the website is antiwatchclub.org because we, we wanted just sort of a simple quicker to type, you know, website. Um, I think it works. It's, it's easy. It's easy to remember. 
uh, and it kind of has the same idea, I guess, uh, undertones of the name. But yeah, Anti Watch Watch Club or AWWC Inc. is the same. Yeah, same thing. So nice. Well, we're really, I would say, we're very happy that you could join us. Um, this has been at least a few weeks in planning, and it's it's good to finally have somebody from your organization on. It's an intriguing organization, and it's something that I think is um, is interesting to a lot of people because obviously it's it's watches. But it's yeah. not just watches. I mean, I think the watch angle seems to be the linchpin, but there's a lot going on yep. around it. So we're going to talk a little bit about that. But before we sure, do, yeah. you know how we do on this one, man. We do a drink check and a pour check. Can you tell yeah. us a little bit what is on the wrist and what, if anything, is in the glass for you, Zach? Sure, yeah. So I'll, I'll start with the wrist. I'm, I'm rocking a um, uh, Notice Sector Pilot Blackbird. Um, just actually got it this week. Uh, I had the pleasure of meeting Wes from Notice um, back in September, October at Wind Up Watch Fair in New York City. Uh, he he kind of made a connection with one of our club members, and we all sort of hit it off. And um, we do have a a little project with them coming out that's going to be pretty fun. So that's I've been right. wanting to get it. Yeah, I've been wanting to get a piece from him for a while, and I got the email uh, that these were dropping the other day, and shot him a text and said I need one. And I literally ordered this thing on uh, Tuesday at twelve oh five a.m. and had it on my wrist by Thursday at like 11:30 AM, you know, from Washington to Connecticut. So pretty cool, crazy customer service, crazy shipping so far. Really, really dig it. And it's on our, um, I had to throw it right on our in-house, uh, AWWC decon two, our kind of one of our custom straps that we sell. That looks amazing. Um, yeah, it just work. It works really nice. And it's a 30, it's like a, I think it's a 38 millimeter with a 39 millimeter kind of overhang bezel and, uh, you know, NH 36 movement Seiko, um, it's just a really cool piece. Fits me nice, and I'm, I'm partial to buying pilot style watches because uh, that, that's close to my uh, to my heart. And my grandfather was a pilot, so it's just I always kind of gravitate towards pilot style stuff. And yeah, so it was uh, something I snagged, and I'm super happy with it. So, congrats on the then, new watch alert. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. It's good to uh, it's good to get something different and support the uh, support the guys that support us too. He's he's also a big supporter of our cause and kind of what we're doing. Um, in the club and, and has made a lot of, um, he's made a lot of paths for us and helped us out kind of along the way, kind of get stuff going and yeah, super, super good dude to support. So happy to do it. Yeah. Yeah. There's been some hint on some kind of collab there and I'm anxious to see what that's going to be. I've, I've really liked the way their watches look, but it, it took going to one of their events last year to really see everything and have everything yeah. click and see the, the quality. I got the email the other day saying the Blackbird was back. I was like, Oh, that was really hard not to pull the trigger on that. I know. Yeah. I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't not do it. I've been like, I'm, I'm freezing. Cause you know, we've got some projects in the works. So I'm trying to just, you know, not get stuff and, and, and uh, wait it out a little bit, but I was like, I got to get that one. It's, it's my, you know, <laughs> I, yeah, I run, I love like a 39, 40 millimeters, like my preferred case size. And, and uh, yeah, I was like, yeah, whatever. It's, you know, it's another piece. And, glad I snagged it. So yeah. Yeah. And the glass, I'm just doing a pretty classic old fashioned with, um, a high proof rye that I, I helped pick out and, uh, Agastoria bitters and actually some Peychaud bitters mix it up a little bit. Ooh, okay. Nice. Pretty I like good. that. Yeah. Gives a little well, dryness to it. You know, if you don't like the overly over sweetness of it kind of balances it out a little bit better. So. So you mentioned that's an overproof rye. What, and you showed us, but what was that again? Not overproof. It's it's higher proof. It's like a hundred and um, okay, hundred and ten. Uh, I think it's a hundred ten proof. Yeah, hundred ten proof. So it's it's higher proof. I would consider, you know, for 
for a rye or whatever, but um, it's called Old Pepper Distillery. It's a four-year um, store pick, so Kentucky, obviously, like you know, most of them. But I want to I want to get into the some of your store pick experience later on. I think you have a, yeah. you've been doing a few of them, so that sounds like a quite a few a few fun projects to be involved with. Definitely, yeah, yeah. I can What's already the- see. Some- the conversation's going to go like I'll ask. Yeah, you it's going to go out that way. Yeah. Hey, let's go back to booze. <laughs> what's yeah. the um? What's the material on the strap? Uh, so it's. I'll show you. It's a it's sort of a proprietary. Uh, not rubber. Not a lot of people think it's like a hypolon material or hypolon, which is kind of a toxic material, but it, it's not that. Um, so what, our CEO actually sourced this stuff. He sourced the guy that made it. It's very rubber like. Uh, it's stretchy and super comfortable, um, but it's kind of a proprietary thing that we took and made into a strap, so to speak. Um, the Hypalon, there's a, there's a company that makes uh, straps, and they made them out of like it's like recycled. Um, what is it? recycled like uh, boat wraps or like inner tubes, and that stuff is it's a similar texture, but it's it's actually kind of toxic, and it's got kind of nasty stuff in it so these are uh much better in that regard uh they're very stretchy they're comfortable waterproof obviously um yeah it's honestly the most comfortable strap i've i've owned and uh, you know i've got a lot of different nato style straps and and this just kind of works you can dress it up or wear it in the pool or you know diving or whatever it is you do um it's that's actually my go-to strap for uh, i do a lot of mountain biking like enduro mountain biking, downhill mountain biking, and I throw it out. I throw the swatch on the swatch speedy, which could shatter. You know, I guess yeah. if I crash, but you know, whatever. It's uh, I like to keep it lightweight and sort of um, comfortable, and uh, that watch is nice for timing, timing laps, and timing rides and stuff like that. But um, yeah, it's just a nice lightweight, comfortable strap. So and for sweat too, that just wicks the sweat. It doesn't hold doesn't hold moisture and all that. So it's it's uh, yeah, it's pretty cool. Oh, it looks fantastic. And I, I've been trying to figure out, you know, on the posts and, and, uh, in the descriptions, what, what exactly it was. So that's a, that's really helpful actually. Yeah. Yeah. It's like I said, it's some sort of like a proprietary material that, um, my RCEO Alex sourced it and, and kind of, he's the one who does a lot of our, um, a lot of the product development and the stuff that comes out is, is uh, Alex who does a lot of the, uh, design work. He does a lot of the sourcing of stuff. Um, so yeah, he, this is kind of his baby. He found it. We had, uh, we're on the version two right now and we're working on version three. Um, version one was, uh, the first one that came out early last year and that kind of jump started us, um, kind of into the scene of, of doing straps and doing and stuff like that. And, uh, we basically ordered a dozen of them and all the founders of the club got them. And then, uh, we sent them out to a couple other guys to test them and immediately we're like oh we got to change this and change that and make this better and, and make this stronger so we, you know, we changed stuff with the hardware and thickness of the strap got changed and uh range of uh wrists that it would fit changed you know we, we changed that quite a bit so it's been a kind of a ongoing development thing and right now we're working on the the decon three which is going to be pretty pretty cool it's got some other updates to it um so always looking to kind of make make stuff better and more usable for the end user. So, yeah. Well, cool. So that covers your wrist check and forecheck. Greg, what do you got going, dude? Uh, let's see. I'll start on the wrist, I guess. Um, I've got a uh, Omega Railmaster. Um, this okay. is the mid mid two thousands um, reference. So not the most recent reissue with that uh, sort of uh, crosshair dial 
Um, this is uh, early coax develop, uh, uh, early coax movement. And mm. uh, right now I have it on D-Lug's leather, so it sort of dresses it up. I mean, you can, you know, it looks pretty smart and handsome. Still pretty thin, could, you know, fit under a cuff. It's probably about time yeah. to get back on a bracelet. And, and, it, and it, on its bracelet, it's really, truly like a, a go-anywhere-do-anything watch. I mean, it's 150 meters of water resistance. It's, uh, you know, no date. Um, you know, just the bracelet's fantastic. Um, it's everything. I mean, it's a... Uh, it started out as sort of that Rolex Explorer alternative. And I've, I've, as a lot of people have, it's sort of become its own, you know, great thing. With that printed dial. I mean, I, I know there are people who are really adherents to that Explorer aesthetic, but I think that real master is so much better. It's really cool. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it's just a different, yeah, it's just a different take on what you want to do with, you know, with that style of watch, you know, the printed versus sort of the applied, um, you know what? Super underrated handset. I mean, Omega does good handsets, so this is not this is not like a hot take or anything, yeah. right? But just all three of the hands are just really well done. You've got sort of like a broad arrow. You've got sort of like a you know the the long the long um kind of dagger tip. Um, it's just a anyway. We could go on about this one for a long time. Not in the glass. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, in the glass. I think I was channeling Matt's uh vacation plans. I've got um. These Cutwater Tiki Rum Mai Tais. Oh, nice. Those are good. Yeah. These are super good, right? So it's not a seltzer. It's an actual like RTD cocktail in a can. Uh, normally, I'm, I'm out in the garage with this with you guys, but normally I would put this in a, in a glass with some ice cubes. I mean, these things are like 12.5%. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like yeah, a straight up. That's legit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, over over ice, you know, we probably could get two cocktails out of it and serve, you know, you and a, and a, and a partner. Um, but made with cut water, uh, uh, rum, they use all their own spirits. They're out of San Diego. Um, been trying to get nice. them on the show actually. Anyway, so I'm feeling very, uh, very tiki vibes with Matt today. Cheers guys. Dude, out, yeah, works, cheers. I was telling you, I think, or did I tell you I converted my breezeway? I'm trying to slowly make it like a little tiki bar walkway in the outside area. So that should be cool. Anyway, man, well, this is time for me and I have. This is the uh, recently returned from from service, the the Heat and Special Seiko 7002. So this guy is kind of oh, the nice. cursor to the SKX Pepsi dial. Um, yep. You know, it, it was a runner prior, but poorly, you know, so it uh, it got a little bit of a spot <clears throat> treatment. And then I've just got this on the basic kind of distressed brown canvas from mica at vintager so you know vintager straps has done a lot of straps for me he's a cool guy um see him basically if you want panerai or big pilot stuff like that but love this thing it's uh it's just super super unassuming and it also kind of fit in with that like you know hey i'm planning a uh, a hawaii trip dive trip surf trip whatever in the glass and you guys have already seen this because I, I love the can art. But this is the uh, the Bottle Logic. Bottle Logic is a, an amazing kind of avant-garde. I wouldn't even call them micro, but small brewery operation here in Southern California. And this is the uh, the Hanamachi rice lager. This is a dry rice lager, kind of low ABV at about five percent. The can art is bitching. I I'm yeah, not going to lie. Like that is half of what brings me into some of their beers. Is that the can art is just hilarious. And then, uh, yeah. yeah, just uh, smooth and easy drinking, you know, kind of we we saw the sun for the first time in like five days today, even though it's June <laughs> and 
I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. get a little bit of warmth. What's that like? Like four and a half, five and a half percent rice lager? It's five point zero. Yeah. So yeah, nothing. Uh, bottle logic. A lot of their stuff is really big, especially some yeah. of the. This is clearly more of you know a daily drinker, but they've got some stuff yeah. in, in bottles that go for like twenty bucks a pop, and uh, sometimes at like fourteen percent. I think I got hammered on one episode where we had Bro Dinky on for the first time. I drank like one or two of those bottles. I can see that? <laughs> yeah. Whoa. Probably, probably easy to do with him on the podcast. You know, he's a he's a fun dude to talk to. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. that's right, that's right. And you guys were on yeah. not too long ago, I think, on Rich Cheese. Maybe what four yeah. or five weeks ago? Yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Cody and I were on. Yeah, yeah. It was a fun one. Good episode. Really him, good. I met him briefly in New York too. Before that, and I was like, oh, I didn't realize I had actually met you before it at Wind Up. So we met at the or- the Oris uh, after party. I mean, some of the guys went down uh, to Wind Up, so it was fun. Yeah, it's a cool. It, it, I didn't I didn't realize how small kind of. I don't know. Like the watch scene and the watch community is definitely smaller than I thought because it's like everybody knows everybody, and and even talking to some of the um some people at ads and and uh, even at some uh, different brands, like a lot of people know who so and so is and have bumped into them. So it's cool. It seems like a pretty pretty tight knit group for the most part. So even across the country. Yeah, for sure. Matt's been Matt's been like uh, silent, not silently, um, quietly lobbying for like a a, a wind up south. Uh, yeah. you know, not that San Francisco is that far, but it's far. Um, it's yeah, it's well, I mean, you know, San Francisco is probably about as far away from us as like, you know, not even DC, like Richmond, Virginia or yeah. Charlotte yeah. to North to exactly. you know, New York. You know, I mean, that's, it's, it's a haul. You can do it, yeah. but I mean, it's not, you're not going to drive it. No. Yeah. Yeah. And you and can we, get away that California. I mean, it's, it's such a, you know, for that type of type type of event, I mean, there's, a huge huge level of interest and in, in consumers and people out there you know out here i think i think like doing one in virginia might not fly but like doing one in new york and then miami sure makes sense you know but yeah san francisco and where you got your sacramento you said no we pasadena. would do something like uh, pasadena, pasadena okay yeah, yeah. LA. la yeah, yeah, yeah. Could catch like that, the that southern california. It, would, it would make sense to do another one yeah exactly. yeah southern california kind of nevada arizona you know sort of that whole crew and then yeah, yeah, NorCal would still service NorCal, Seattle, you know, P- you know, Pacific Northwest. I think it could work. Yeah, no, definitely. Yeah, I'm I'm lobbying for it. That and uh, the other thing I'm trying to manifest is to have uh, cocktails of espionage. <laughs> you are. Oh, this yeah. is actually a couple episodes in a row now. You are <laughs> yeah, definitely yeah, manifesting yeah. We, this. <laughs> I've, I've asked watches of espionage to to write like a, a cocktails of espionage. Uh, oh yeah. Post or, or send it, send us something that we could read out. So that might be a lot of fun. Well, hey, dude, he was. So let me ask you this, you know, because one of the things that you sort of talked about is like it's a it's a small world. There's a lot of people that that collect watches, but the watch fam, I'm making the air quotes here. The watch fam obviously is is a lot smaller. And then at a certain level, it gets smaller still. And there's di- these different subgroups of people, the high end collectors, the independent and Jorn people, the the Seiko heads and all that kind of thing imagine like a typical watch fam enthusiast or somebody who's kind of in that space, but who's never heard of anti-watch watch club. What would you want a person like that to know about anti-watch? Like, how would you describe it? What would you want somebody to walk away knowing? So I think, I think the biggest thing is that, um, uh, we, we want to take basically our passion for horology and watch collecting and, um, all that stuff. And just, 
transform it into a tool to help those in need. And, and to us, those in need are, are basically our veteran brothers and sisters and law enforcement, um, emergency services, and even even not just that, but people that are basically in our sort of tribe that um, that need help just in, in whatever they're doing. Um, just being able to basically take what we do and what we enjoy and just uh, translate that into helping others. Um, it, it's our, our stuff. And I've had, I, I talked to a lot of different people um, about watches because in my professional career, I've got a lot of clients that are into high high end watches and, and high end collections and very different uh, type of um, backgrounds than, than what the club has kind of come out of. And our stuff's sort of edgy and it's sort of uh, in your face. Some of the designs are kind of bold and, and loud and, but that's kind of what we want. We kind of want to just break out of that normal and you guys get, I'm sure you guys get it. The normal um, watch scene, which is nothing wrong with it, but it's not really as edgy and tactical and um, kind of different, so to speak. But yeah, the biggest thing we want to take away is just that like, uh, you know, watches are, are tools or they are, you know, built for a purpose, you know, a, a diving watch is built to dive. It's built to take in the water. It's built to do those kind of things. A, a pilot watch is, you know, built to be in the air and just kind of like using, using your tools to, to do what they're intended and, and don't just leave them in a safe. Don't just let them collect dust and don't save them for the next guy, so to speak, you know? Um, and that's sort of how our group was formed was just, was just kind of coming together and being like, you know, let's, you know, let's take a different, uh, a different mindset with these pieces and actually use them and put them to work, you know, roll with them. If you're arresting somebody or jump out of a plane with it and, not worry about it. You know what I mean? So that kind of thing. But the biggest thing that we want to want people to know is like, like we're a club, like we have fun and we, we do cool merch and, and fun stuff. But ultimately we want to be able to, to take something that has been a considered a kind of a luxury thing for a very long time. You know, for a lot of people, it's a luxury good and, and, you know, an expensive watch is a luxury item, but being able to sort of uh, branch into that, um, into that market and give back to the communities that you know we've served in, not me specifically, but our group has served in um, over time to try to help out and and just make a difference in people's lives. So, and that's that's what we've been trying to do. So, did it did it start as um, did 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 the kind of e did the commerce part of it start early on, or did that develop later? Like, I'm curious if it was like a social yeah. club and and like you said, yep. a group of people who said, "Listen, we're going to find some way to make an impact for yeah. these communities." Uh, or was it pretty early on or even at the beginning, like, hey, maybe th one of the avenues or maybe the best avenue is is sort of this this awesome, you know, swag and merch that people are going to really identify with, you know, and uh, yeah. and want to buy and, and help us do what we want to do. Yeah, so it um, so a bunch of us, uh, the founders, basically, um, we all came from um, a Facebook, a certain Facebook group for uh, a company called Sang and Instruments, which I'm sure you guys are familiar with, California yep. based. Um, Jake in Paris, um, husband and wife run the company. He's, you know, former Marsoc, uh, super, super legit guy. He's, he's, um, truly believes in giving back to the community. And, and that's one thing that, uh, his company, uh, through Sangin Instruments has always done. They've always given a lot of money back to veterans, um, specifically through the Hunter Seven, Hunter Seven Foundation, uh, who does a lot of really good work for, for vets. Um, so we all started in that group and that's how we all knew each other. Um, that was sort of my, my intro into a quote unquote real watch was saying an instruments, you know, I always, I had always had G shocks and, um, some other kind of, you know, just bounce around pieces like Nixon and stuff like that. Like nothing, nothing too crazy. Um, but got into them through, through a friend, uh, who's a, a cop down in Dallas. And, um, we basically all started kind of in that group and, 
got talking, you know, in a group chat one day, I hit up uh, Alex, our CEO, and I was like, hey, I kind of want to get a, you know, want to get like a, oh, no, I think I was an Omega I was looking at, I was looking at Speedy. And immediately he sent me reference numbers, case sizes, price points, like all this stuff. Like if you want this, get this reference. If you want that, get this reference. If you want to spend this much money, get this one. And I was like, all right. So I looked around and found a, I found a reduced speedy that I bought actually from off another, uh, another one of the guys in the group chat. But, uh, so to kind of to fast forward, basically, yes, it started as a social, a social thing. We were just like having fun, talking about grails, talking about, you know, selling, selling a few pieces from our collection to fund a, you know, to fund a, um, a grail, so to speak. And eventually got to the point where one of the guys one day, you know, late at night, we were drinking, you know, just chatting away. And, and uh, he's like, we should just start like a, start a club. And we're like, all right, let's do it. Like, let's start it. You know, we'll start a watch club, whatever. Like, you know, we're all, we're, we all work full-time jobs and most of us have, have young kids and have no time to do anything, but we're like, yeah, let's start a club. Let's do it. And, uh, one of the guys, I think it was our, one of our founders, Gilmar was like, let's call it the anti-watch watch club. And I was like, perfect. Like it's, you know, reminiscent of the anti-social social club, anti, you know, Rolex, Rolex, whatever. It's been a plan words for, you know, a long time. So we did that, uh, started the Instagram and, um, started a Facebook group just to get people in. Cause uh, the Facebook group that we were in for saying an instrument was very active. It was very, uh, it was a cool place to go to post stuff, talk, and people would share like really important memories. Like while they wore a watch, um, like kids being born, getting engaged, getting married, stuff like that. And, and we were kind of like, let's, let's do our own Facebook group. Cause we want to, we want to share that same kind of, you know, we want to have that same kind of community, so to speak. Um, and that community grew. And eventually it was just kind of like, you guys should sell stuff. So we're like, all right, well, we could do some merch and um, the basically um, most of the founders, we were just talking one night and, and we were like, I think we could actually do something with, with this. Like the Instagram's got a really good following. Like people are engaging, you know, people want to be involved with what we're doing. They want to, they want to buy anti-watch watch club stuff. And we were just kind of like, well, what if we did something that we could just make stuff and sell it and give back to our communities? Cause the majority of our founders are, are either military um, they're retired military, uh, or they're in emergency services. So, um, we're like, this is close to all of us. We, we should really just, if we're going to do this, like, you know, we don't, we all have full-time jobs. We all work a lot. We don't really need extra income and we don't want to have the, you know, the, uh, the stress of another job or like, let's do this. It's fun. Um, and if, and if people get, understand that it's a, it's a nonprofit, it'll be easy for them to spend money and easy for us to just donate to different charities. So yeah, basically we just, um, we filed the non the nonprofit paperwork and did it, and we're like, all right, let's let's start selling stuff. And we designed some merch, we designed uh, some straps, and and we figured we would just try it out, and it's it's taken off. And I think to to date, um, we've probably donated like upwards of fifteen thousand dollars to different charities, just you know here and there, kind of throughout what we've been doing, and um, kind of just snowballed from a bunch of dudes in a group chat to a, an Instagram page to a Facebook club, and now we're a full fledged registered 501c3 nonprofit with the irs so um yeah how how long Crazy. is that timeline from the sort of late night uh kind of back and forth uh texting to to today uh it's it's probably been a little a little over a year um you know the nonprofit was formed uh not quite a i could be wrong and alex will get mad at me for misspeaking but no nah, i'm just kidding so close enough about a right? year or so yeah a year or so since we formed the nonprofit <laughs> stuff um you know, in, in as far as selling stuff, I mean, we've, you know, we've been like kind of live on Shopify selling stuff for maybe, I think it's like six to seven months. Um, 
until we got our, our whole store set up. Before that, we did just basically Instagram drops and we would just have people PayPal, um, our PayPal account. You know, we did bottle drops and raffles and stuff like that. And uh, it got to the point where like, this is like, this is like too much to keep track of just in a PayPal account. Like we need to actually have a e-commerce website and have something a little more legitimate. So we did, uh, did it through Shopify and, and uh, it's been, it's been good since, but yeah, it's, it's been like a year, a little over a year and um, we're full steam ahead. Now we're, we're in the process of sort of switching gears and trying to bring a lot of our, um, a lot of our nonprofit work we're trying to bring in house. So basically want to be able to, uh, to do a lot of the, um, the outreach and the the benefits stuff we want to be doing it ourselves. So um, we've got programs in the works where you know, we're trying to sponsor people to go to different training events, different, um, you know, uh, basically just different aspects of whatever career they're in. So it's, you know, military focused, it's, it's law enforcement focused, it's EMT focused, um, stuff like that. Uh, so trying to just bring it all in house so we can just write the check to one of our guys or somebody in need who basically can't afford to go to, you know, a medical training or, um, you know, law enforcement training that can't otherwise afford to do it on their own just to properly equip people to do that. And, and uh, our biggest thing is we want to start focusing on being more proactive instead of reactive in the, in the uh, sort of charity space. Cause not that there's anything wrong with um, being reactive in charity, but we want to set people up to, to succeed and set people up to kind of, you know, to kind of, uh, succeed in what they're doing and before they kind of go too far one direction we want them to be able to make those decisions to um you know to just do the right thing and and have the support to do that and so that's what we want to be we want to be a support system for for veterans who've either retired or who are still in and and all that so uh yeah it's it's an ever evolving thing so that training piece i think is a great idea and a great angle especially for um I mean, I'm not, again, full disclosure, I'm not in law enforcement, but you, I'm sure you're aware of this. You probably hear this complaint a lot, but there's a lot of, uh, a lot of really yeah. good worthwhile training that's out there. The departments either, you know, won't send people to, or don't yep. have the budget yep. to do that. Um, you know, and if it's the kind of thing where that's going to help that person, you know, be, be better, safer, more effective in their job. Um, exactly. Yeah. You know, whether, whether it's on the law enforcement side or you know, paramedic training, EMT training, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah, no, that's exactly a, it. Yeah. Cool angle. Yeah. And I have yeah, to so say, I mean, I hope you guys, <laughs> I'm sure you just like kind of keep your head down and keep moving, but I mean, that's tremendous progress in 12 ish. So odd months. I mean, there's yeah. real money getting moved. Obviously, you know, people are being impacted. That's incredible. That's uh, you guys should be really proud of that. I, I think usually my late night uh, drunk drunk texts with, with some of these <laughs> with some of these guys ends up with some sort of eBay you know yeah, <laughs> package right. showing up two days later with something I don't need or so I mean right. you guys put some real work behind it but uh, congratulations that's 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 really yeah. great progress and probably just the tip of the iceberg for you yeah their ramblings yeah, are way more productive awesome. than ours Greg. <laughs> yeah <laughs> I mean we still we still have our ramblings you know like those happen else, too but, right you know, that's, that's right that's you know that's the biggest thing but yeah the, the biggest thing to be, go back to the um. You know, we basically have like, like, I think we're right now we're at four to five different curriculums that we're writing. And the first one that we've, we've started to roll out is called the, the Blue Guardians program. And that's basically um, the training thing. So it's like, uh, you know, like I said, a lot of the guys in the club are active duty, they're active police or they're active military. And the training that a lot of these departments give is just not, it's not adequate. These guys don't get enough training and a lot of them can't afford to, to pay for training outside of what they get. So um, the Blue Guardian program, we call it, uh, basically, um, we want to just grant people funds to go 
take a BJJ course with Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, not just, you know, it's not all about shooting. It's not all about that kind of training. It's like, we want to train people to avoid those situations. You know what I mean? Like avoid the situations where you have to use your, your duty weapon. Like that's, that's the last resort, right? So we want people to be trained to do all the things um, so that they're well-equipped to make that decision if they actually have to. So like, you know, a BJJ course, your local, your local police department in Kansas, somewhere in the, some town in Kansas is not going to pay for you to go to a BJJ course. Like it's, it's just not in their budget. So that's, that's kind of what we want to do because the more, the more training these guys have and the more experience they have in doing that, like just the better they're going to be equipped to succeed and, and not have to, you know, God forbid, go down the, the lethal force line. If you can avoid that at any cost, like that's what we want them to do. We want them to be equipped to, you know, to avoid the situations and just get out safely and, and do their job effectively. So that's the biggest thing. And that's, that's the first one that we're working on. We have some other ones um, down the line, which basically, uh, which basically help um, veteran families. We do, we have kind of a holistic health approach that we're going to start focusing on um, stuff like that. So there's a lot of different programs we're working on. The blue guardian one is the first one that we're trying to kick off because it's, it's, um, it's close to us. And we know a lot of guys in our club are active law enforcement and nine times out of 10, they say they don't feel they get enough training, you know, in, in from their department or from their, you know, their, their local PD or whatever. So that's one thing we're really trying to help them out with. So, well, that's, I think that's great. I think, you know, as the organization matures, like you said, there's, there's a time and place for a reactionary, you know, support, um, could be, you know, event, you know, specific, it could be something that pops up, but sort of upstream sort of systemic, um, you know, uh, support of, 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 of some of these issues that that's hopefully addressing issues before they happen. Right. So that's the goal, you know, and as the organization matures, you know, hopefully you'll be continue to be able to do that. It sounds like you're already putting the, you know, sowing the seeds for it. Yeah. It's almost like yeah. a, a scholarship program or a, a grant program that what I would imagine what's kind of the, what you're describing is, you know, let's say an individual officer at a, small department someplace is like, Hey, I want to go to a patrol rifle class. And, you know, I, I, I had, you know, a six hour block of instruction and a 200 round shooting package. And that's all I ever got trained on. And otherwise I just, I qualify maybe twice a year. Um, can I do something more relevant? <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah exactly. Yeah. Yeah. To, to do that might be, you know, two or three grand. And so that's something. Exactly. That would be, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, right on. And, and a lot of these guys, a lot of these guys that are that are law enforcement, a lot of you know, a lot of them if they have families are are still providers, and you know they they don't you know have the extra means to do that. So that's that's uh, that's the biggest thing. And yeah, you know, right now it's it's kind of a um, granting as as we go, kind of as we see people you know, that that are in need of it. Um, but eventually we'll get to the point where it's going to be a scholarship thing where people can apply and we'll review it and we'll review you know applications and and sort of go out you know, and, and, you know, send funds out that way. But right now we're kind of working immediately in the club to roll the project program out and, and uh, help people that are actively engaged with AWWC and, and do that kind of stuff. So, Right on. Well, Hey man, let's put a pin in the, in the, the watch club piece and kind of focus on you for a second. What are some of your interests outside of watches? Do you, are you, is, you know, anything that kind of I don't know how to describe this, but a lot of people that are sort of in this hobby, there's something kind of tangential and you alluded to something. I won't say it. I mean, I'll let you say it if you want to, but you sure, know, yeah. something that you do for a living that I think is a proof to the notion that people who tend to gravitate toward watches tend to be gear people. And, you know, yeah, whether yeah. it's, you know, cars, 
uh, bikes, airplanes, uh, uh, cameras and stuff like that. What else is kind of going on in your life that's kind of related? Yeah. So I, the biggest thing with me is I'm, I've, I've been um, professionally in the, um, the motorsports industry for almost 15 years. I, I sell uh, motorcycles, you know, and I do a lot of, a lot of track riding and off-road riding and stuff like that. So my, my hobbies are very much, um, my hobbies are very much things that you could still use watches for, which is cool. So I do a lot of, I do a lot of, uh, mountain biking, downhill mountain biking. So you can time, time rides, time loops and stuff like that, which is fun. Um, very big into cars and, you know, uh, I was very big into overlanding. So I've, I've had, uh, a bunch of rigs over the years that I've set up to go camping and do long distance, long distance adventure touring with those and that kind of thing. So, um, yeah, basically anything with wheels, I'm into it. And, uh, yeah, I've always been into aviation and, and planes. My grandfather was a, a pilot in world war two. I flew a B 17, um, triangle G flying fortress. So, um, always been into aircrafts and, and that kind of stuff too. So anything with an engine or wheels, it's, it's sort of in my, in my, uh, on my radar to uh be interested in it so yeah and i think i think anything that can't come out of a barrel seems that it might have your interest too right i, I think the drink of choice is probably too, yeah. Yep. yep yeah mostly yeah. yeah usually i've been i've been doing some tequila lately but it's it's always a whiskey you know always going back to whiskey and i do a lot of uh i was saying earlier that we do a lot of barrel picks uh, with my local shop we do um i pick probably like upwards of a dozen different store picks you know different brands ranging from you know, small, small companies up to, we picked a Woodford barrel not too long ago, um, blue note, stuff like that. So yeah, into the whiskey thing too, for sure. Um, yeah. So a lot, a lot of different hobbies, uh, they tend to be kind of expensive, which kind of stinks, but it, <laughs> yeah, always right. got to find a way to, you know, always got to find a way to, you know, make it work. But well, the best ones typically yeah. are expensive. I shouldn't say the best ones, yeah, the ones exactly. that we enjoy well, the most. The good ones. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah. 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 Sweet. I've got to ask an insider. I think Greg is going to take us down a booze path for a second, but I have to interject on yeah, something because yeah. you fine. said, okay, the best hobbies are expensive and you were talking about motorsport. I've always wondered like in the world of motorsport and just automotive in general, whether it's, you know, bikes, trucks, all that stuff. Do, is it a small world there too? And is there professional courtesy for stuff like that? Because I would always wonder like, do you do guys basically and gals, I imagine increasingly, do you get like, you know, pro deals and bro deals and things like that in that community? Yeah, I think so. I, I think at least, um, at least in our area, like I, you know, I know a lot of the, a lot of local dealers and local, um, uh, local retailers, we all sort of know each other. And even like some of my competitors, like we talk regularly and I'll, you know, I'll hit them up and be like, Oh, I need a, you know, I need a, I need this dirt bike or my buddy, my buddy needs a, a jet skier because we only sell one brand, but, um, there's a lot of like hooking, hooking each other up. Like, uh, yeah, so-and-so it's, it's, it's a, it is a small world too, for sure. And you get a lot of like, um, you get a lot of crossover from certain brands and stuff and people knowing each other just, just through the scene. So it's, it's pretty common. I think it's the same idea as the watches. Like it's a, it's a pretty small tight knit community for sure. At least in our, in our, uh, in our area. But Right so, on. Makes sense. All right, Greg, I'll turn it back over to you. Yeah, let's dig into the store pick thing a little bit. So, is it an art yeah. or a science, or is it just really dependent on sort of the particular project? I'm curious uh, what your experience is now, having done you know half a dozen, dozen of them. Um, I, yeah, I would say I, I don't know if I'd say it's an art. I mean, I, I would say it's it's a lot of people like taking their personal taste and just you know um, projecting that onto what they like or whatever. Um, 
but it but it's fun it it's it's uh you know so how it'll work is we'll go and there's usually like three to four different three to four different tastings lined up and um basically the the guy who does all the uh the tastings just kind of like you know i want i want like either a a sipper a mixer or something that'll just kind of knock your socks off like so with those in mind you want to pick kind of what what he likes to sell because he knows what sells and, and all that but um it's funny i mean you'll, you'll get like we'll do like three tastings of the same brand and it'll be like just way different like like same proof same proof stuff for the most part but they all have just completely different noses completely different aromas um you know aftertaste is different um so i don't know if i would say it's a science but it's more of just like it is kind of a science so to speak like like being able to pull out like the the different ingredients and different tastes and stuff like being able to pull out like clove and vanilla and you know ginger like like just really like weird spices that you wouldn't otherwise think are in like a, a bottle of whiskey um so being able to kind of highlight those things um but even even doing those just doing those tastings throughout the the last couple of years just sort of developed my palate to kind of be able to to sip something and be like oh this thing's got like this thing has crazy caramel in it or a lot of vanilla or whatever um so i, I think maybe that that has been kind of a learning process doing it um and i honestly like i he probably called me because i anytime he gets a store pick i'll buy it and i'll just be like yeah that's cool i'll, I'll take <laughs> yeah, it like whatever like, yeah i'll take it because i got really sick of i got really sick of chasing the um you know chasing the the grail bourbon so to speak you know stuff that that you can't always find and people pay way too much money for um and i think the store the store now has like upwards of probably 30 different store picks that he has on rotation that you can go in anytime and just buy that's them off himself. so yeah so he has he has uh three different stores in connecticut and um uh always has something different so i was like i'm just going to focus on buying that stuff because it's it's unique it's different it's good and it's usually not very expensive which is nice too so um yeah i'm with you yeah, I, i'm so sort of fun. over i'm sort of over the the hunting aspect of things i i almost yeah. hesitate to say this but it's the sort of bourbonization of a lot of different you know spirits i mean you could put your finger at bourbon, but it's happening in tequila. It's happening even in yep. beer to some degree, right? There's these sort of oh, yeah. limited drops or something gets really popular and all of a sudden everybody has to go hunt it and find it. And then the secondary yep. prices shoot through the roof and it's like, it just takes all the fun out of it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How, how hard was it to find plenty of the other for a while? I mean, it's easier oh. now, but I mean, when yeah. that became thing here on the West coast, yeah. it was like, you couldn't find I it. Still, I, I, still can't, I still can't find it out here, but, <laughs> but so it's the same thing with like, like like the alchemist like Hetty topper focal banger yeah that was something that before like and so a lot of our a lot of our overlanded camping trips would go to we just go to vermont because there's nothing to do in connecticut massachusetts worthless uh so we would <laughs> we'd cruise up to vermont and the second you get in vermont you're like oh, i can buy Hetty topper um but for a long time you could only buy it at the brewery so like you would go up and we would load up our fridge, load up our cooler and have, you know, a couple of racks in the back of the truck and bring them all back and give them out to friends. But now you can kind of get that stuff semi-locally. You can find it, you know, here and there, as long as you know where to look. Um, but for a while, the beer scene was very much like the whiskey scene. And I think, I think that it was beer, it's whiskey, and now it's moving toward tequila and who knows what'll be next for kind of the obscure, hard to get stuff. But yeah, it's always yeah. chasing something. Yeah. That's right. So tell me what, what, what draws you into tequila or what drew you in? I mean, obviously you have a whiskey background. Are you drinking age stuff or are you drink what, what's, what, what sort of piqued your interest of late? I haven't, yeah, I have honestly haven't got really too much into it. I had a, a good client of mine owns a liquor store and, um, he was a super nice younger guy. Um, I forget what is it? I forget, uh, 
forget he was I think he's Dominican or Brazilian or I'm not whatever. Whatever he was, but he's like, Oh tequila, you gotta drink tequila. It's it's good for you. It's a great you know, it's a great mixer, it's all this and that and, and I was like, I dude, I like I don't drink tequila. I've never really you know, I had a really bad experience with uh Cafe Patron and never Cafe Patron. Patron again. Nice. Yeah. Long, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Long, long story. Long story. So um, <laughs> off, offline and, story. Yeah, exactly. So he's like, nah, you gonna try try Herdora sil- uh, Silver and Aho, whatever. I forget what it is. Um, it's like sixty bucks a bottle. So I was like, all right, I'll go buy it. Like I don't know anything about tequila, but I'll buy it and try it. And so I bought a bottle of it, and I mixed. I think I mixed my wife margarita with it, and I liked it. It was it was good, but I was like, it's just not really my thing, but. Uh, recently a, a buddy of mine at work, we were, it was like a really hot day and he's like, I want to make like a tequila drink, just something refreshing. I was like, all right, do it. Like just make something. And, and basically it's just the, it's a, it's tequila, lime and a little simple syrup, shake it like crazy and, uh, drink it. And it's just a really nice, refreshing, refreshing, clean kind of summer drink. So that's sort of what got me into it. And I was like, oh, this is really good. Um, yeah, cause sometimes that, you know, a hot, I don't, I don't, I know you guys get like a pretty hot climate, but out here, like it gets hot, it gets humid and it's just like. It's very a dr- very draining climate at sometimes, and sometimes like a glass of whiskey is just not like not like what you want. So I've been yeah, I've been going towards that, and yeah, it, it's uh, just mixing. Uh, that's kind of my go to drink now. Is I'll do that the Herradura, this the uh, the Anejo, whatever. It was um, do a little bit of lime. You do the simple syrup, and then I've been crushing up a little jalapeno in it. Nice, it's just like it's a super good sipper. Especially the jalapeno gives it a nice a nice uh, kick to it. So. Good. I'm, I'm sort of gravitating say, towards the other stuff, but yeah. One of our first cocktail matchmakers, Greg, do you remember? It was that, uh, that I think it was a, a pineapple tequila with, yeah. I, I should say, mm-hmm. a pineapple, pineapple jalapeno. And, uh, pineapple jalapeno. Yeah. 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 yeah that yeah. sounds good. Yeah. Yeah. No, we used to always joke around back in the day. Uh, what you're making is basically what I would call a skinny margarita. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what, <laughs> you know, that's what it is. Yeah. That's More that's or less. Yeah. 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 It's like quick and easy. You can get all stuff, and it's just like super refreshing. So that that's like what I've been gravitating towards. It's like drinking stuff that's like not just refreshing, but like you know, like on a hot, really hot day, I don't want to drink like a like an eight or nine percent double IPA. Like I want to drink like like that five and a half percent rice lager, like something light, crisp, just uh, yeah. refreshing. You know. So, well, we would say yeah. to everybody listening, I think this is for me and Greg. Um, but if uh, don't let happen to tequila what's happened to some of these other sectors right don't participate yeah, exactly yeah tequila and mezcal is not nearly as um sustainable or what's the word i'm looking for renewable both renewable, yeah as, yeah as the commodities used to produce you can produce extremely good whiskeys and scotches and beers and wines the stuff that is highly renewable and yep. agave is just not nearly as renewable as everything else yeah so everybody don't piss in the tequila pool please yeah uh, you know don't jump don't on that bandwagon <laughs> don't ruin it and uh yeah it, basically just drink the good like artisanal responsibly produced tequila we're, yeah. we're yep. huge advocates of that yep we'll have to uh we'll have to make sure to to um to let everybody know especially zach too um when the mission for mission 1530 releases come out, they're like these, uh, a set of single barrels from, um, like eh, four of the, you know, arguably top producers, yeah. um, around and they should hit. Well, well, it's, it's always tricky. Anyway, they should hit in 23 at some point. So we'll, we'll, yeah. we'll let you know about that one. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. 
Yeah, Zach, if you've never heard it in our back catalog, one of our first maybe eight or 10 episodes is with a guy named Jason. I won't say his last name, but Jason K. It's titled Jason K is a bad hombre. It's early on in our in our playlist. That guy is really, really committed to um, the, the artisanal responsible tequila. And it my oh, experience nice. with him and talking to him over you know the past year or two since we've done that episode has ruined me for big bottle tequila. <laughs> yeah. In the best it. possible way. I mean, it's it's been an amazing eye-opening kind of experience. Um, and yeah, I, I can't go back to something like Cuervo or, or whatever yeah. uh, ever again. And, and not just for that, the, yeah. you know, the snobby aspect of things or like the taste right. or whatever, but it's, you know, the, the preservation of the culture and, and frankly, the, the, uh, the plant life itself is just really important. So anyhow. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Hey dude, you talked about grail bourbon. What about grail watches? Is there anything you're kind of focused on? Anything you would love to have? Like if you won the lottery, what's your lottery watch? Oh man. Um, right, right now it's a Batman. That's, that's kind of what I'm chasing. So I, yeah, I, I've been, I, I've had, I've had a handful, a couple subs. I've had a, or a couple Rolexes. Um, I've got, I've gone through a lot of stuff and it's been kind of one of the, it's what I do when I get, when I get into a hobby, I, I, I see something, I buy it, try it out and then I'll sell it to buy the next thing that I like and just like keep kind of rolling it and, and seeing what really is kind of a keeper for me. And I've done it with, with guns and, you know, cars and bicycles and now it's watches. So it's kind of where I'm at, but yeah, the Batman is the latest thing. And that's a little ways out. I'm not, I'm not at the position to do that yet, but, um, it's funny. I, I recently bought a, um, a Seiko mod from a guy that we've done, uh, we've bought a lot of stuff through him and he does a really nice Batman Seiko mod with NH34 movement, you know, true GMT movement. And, um, I was like, I want to buy that and just see if I like it, see if it's like my vibe, you know, cause it's, the Batman's a little flashy. I mean, it's, it's, you know, ceramic and the, the bracelet is pretty, you know, pretty flashy. And I was gonna see if I like it. And, uh, I bought it and I wore it for like a week at, like a week at work. And I get like, I'll get like a watch comment, like maybe like, I don't know, like every couple weeks at the shop, like someone will be like, Oh, what are you wearing? Like that's, that's a nice watch. And that week I wore the, the, the Seiko mod. I got like probably six or seven comments like, Oh, where'd you get the Batman? How did you get it? Like how long did it take you to get that? And, and I was like, Oh, it took like four weeks from Singapore. Like it came, you know, pretty quick. And, you know, and, uh, just funny that the response from it, but everybody knows the Batman. And I just, I love that colorway. I, I love, uh, blue has always been my color for cars and bikes and anything. So I'm like the black and the blue is just like a cool, it's a cool contrast. So that, that's the next one. That's kind of what I'm saving for. That's what I'm, I'm planning for. And it'll be a little while before I get it, but I think that's the next, the next one. So, so big question is, and maybe you already said it in, in sort of how you framed it, but is it on the oyster or on the Jubilee? I'd have to have it on the oyster. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I just, I don't know. I, the Jubilee is cool, but it's just, to me, it just looks too dressy. It's too, um, it's comfortable. Like it's the most comfortable bracelet I think out there, but it's just not my, it's not my style. It's just a little more formal than the oyster. I think, um, yeah, the oyster for me just does it. It's just, I'll throw something at you to consider. Cause I mean, if you put yourself on a list for a steel Batman or a steel, honestly, what it's going to be is a steel Rolex is what you're probably right. going to be off. Sure. Yeah. Or I should say a steel GMT and probably not, a choice, you know, it's like, take it or leave right. it. It's going to be, yep. you know, and and here's, you know, but, um, one thing I've seen is the, uh, the Jubilee, I think 
looks kind of flashier at first, but I think it gets toned yeah. down by wear a lot faster than the polished center links on the modern, um, the GMT Master Oyster. Because to me, that's the thing that really makes that thing pop visually, but not in a good way. You know, it makes yeah. it a little more blingy is the polished center link with the, the what do you call it? The, uh, the, the Jubilee, I think it, it basically scuffs up a little bit a lot quicker. And hmm. if, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? And that's, that's how I would take it is if I had a choice, I actually probably would go the other way and be like, yeah, give it to me on Jubilee. Jubilee. It, Interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's just less like in your face. But let, I, me throw a wrench, also, let me throw a wrench in the whole thing. So I have a, <laughs> I have a 16, 7, 10 and it's on an oyster, obviously. Yep. I, I want to get a Jubilee that fits it so I can have both. That would be fun to me. Right. Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Sorry, I think that would be a lot of fun. Actually, I mean, we've seen what the what the five digit, you know, uh, uh, sports models look like on Jubilee, yeah. and they're they're awesome. So yeah, you know, well, they they look good. Yeah. I, I don't. Yeah, I just I don't know. I love the oyster. I don't know. I don't know but honestly, you don't, I'll just you put, don't it have to put it on a. Our thing is like put it on a NATO anyway. So <laughs> yes. just, you know, at the end of the NATO, day, right? Whatever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> at the end of the day, put it on a NATO, but yeah. Right on. Well, in so any how about, event, how about vintage, a- vintage or modern in general? What's your sort of uh, preference? Man. Um, so I, I have a history of like being like, yeah, I really like vintage stuff. It's super cool, but I get it. And I'm, and then I'm kind of like, it's just, it's like not for me. Like I like the idea of it. I like the look of it, but um, and I do with car. I do with cars all the time. Like I've been through a lot of different cars over the years, and I try the vintage thing for a little while. And I'm just kind of like, I want my Bluetooth. I want like, you know, I want like the creature comforts. And I think it's the same with watches. Like I've had a couple, a couple, um, not super vintage pieces, but maybe even like vintage inspired pieces. And I'm just like, I don't know. I just like the modern stuff. I think like, um, like to me, like I had, a, I had a K serial sub, which was like a 2000. I think it's like 2002. And to me, that was vintage. Like that's like a, a vintage sub, right? but it's not actually vintage. It's still neo vintage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It was super Luminova. Like, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think generally speaking, I I prefer to go with the, uh, the more modern stuff. It just fits my lifestyle and kind of what I like and enjoy. But, um, that said, I do want to find like, uh, so I've been trying to find like, kind of going back to the, uh, the stuff about military and pilots. Like I've been trying to find the watch that my grandfather would have been issued as a pilot. And it's super, so there's like, there's probably like a dozen different manufacturers that were licensed to manufacture, um, watches for the, uh, for the army air corps back then. So there, and there was dependent sort of on region. So like, there's like Belova and, um, uh, I forget a couple, a couple of the other names below, is one of the big ones, but there's basically a bunch from there. Like, yeah, they could have been issued to them in this area, but there's really no way to know. So I'm like, I've been like contacting like a bunch of different, like historical researchers and historical, like, uh, World War II memorabilia people to be like, what would the 305th bomb group have been given? You know, because they were all issued watches, especially pilots. They're all given something. So that, that's one thing. Like that's like one vintage piece that I'll I'll try to find. And yeah. if I figure out what it was, and and uh, I'll keep it. But um, you know, that's uh, that's that's as far as vintage goes. That's kind of the extent of what I would be looking for for a vintage piece. So. Well, that has like personal meaning, and and that that obviously yeah, exactly. has a connection. Yeah. So that's yeah. that's that's the way to go for sure. Yeah, we yeah. can talk offline too, or, or back channel. I mean, there's there's places I would think um, want to buy a watch would probably be a really good 
Um, and I'm sure there's yeah. others too, you know, that, that would either have something or help you source something from that era. Yeah. Cause that would be really cool. Uh, you know, just get on, get on the bat phone and call Cole Pennington. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I gotta do. So I've oh, been noticing, you... I've been noticing some, uh, glassware prototypes. I know you guys got a lot of things in development. We heard a few teasers on some of your recent, um, appearances on, uh, for collaborations and sort of upcoming, yep. you know, things to purchase and watches. What's, what's sort of on the horizon for anti-watch watch club? What's, what are some of the upcoming plans that people should be looking out for? So the, the biggest thing we have is a, is a collab with Notice coming out um, very soon. We should have a, hopefully, prototype. We, we actually have a meetup in New York City um, in two weeks with um, with Notice and uh, another watch company. It's kind of a private event, but uh, Wes is hoping to have our prototype available then for our collab. So I'll just say it's going to be a pretty, uh, pretty popular Notice offering that's fairly new and sold out relatively quickly. Got it. It's going to be an AWWC um exclusive uh different uh different finish and different dial and some stuff with the loom is going to be kind of cool so that that's coming out um hopefully soon like i said hopefully the prototype will be out and you'll start seeing pictures of that so that's the biggest thing um we've sort of started to bring our toes into other things like whiskey glasses we have a, a canadian it's called the canadian uh taster or canadian sniffer glass that's coming out um we're working on doing like a a nice yeah nice two box set um for that uh with some coasters and and some fun stuff um that's going to have our quote-unquote retro logo which is sort of like an old school wild wild west um you know skull logo with some revolt or some uh not muskets but old school rifles you know crisscross infantry style but um so that'll be cool uh we've got um a lot of different leather goods coming out watch rolls stuff like that so uh, keep an eye out for that. And then we've recently been in talks with another pretty well-known, um, pretty well-known, uh, company who makes watches and watch accessories. That's going to start doing, um, tools and different watch related, you know, ED quote unquote EDC gear for us. Um, so that'll be cool. So we got, we have a lot of stuff. We are, our, our, our hands are in a lot of areas and we're trying to get a lot of different stuff that kind of, that kind of, uh, can grab anybody from any different area. We even have a, an EDC blade coming out. It's going to be a fixed blade you know, should be kind of fun, different, um, from a company on the East coast that's going to make them for us. So a lot of stuff, a lot of stuff coming, a lot of stuff in the works. So what you see now, um, on the site that we have is, is a small glimpse of sort of what we can do and what's coming. Um, and I think the next, the next level of summer drop stuff is going to be really kind of over the top. Um, should be, should be fun. And we're trying to, we're trying to do some more stuff. that's not quite as, not quite as in your face, not quite as bold and loud and uh, to try to bring in some other people. But um, generally speaking, uh, it should be a pretty good mix of stuff coming out over the next two to four months. So, yeah. But the notice thing is going to be big. So keep an eye out for that. That's going to sell out quick. So, Yeah, absolutely. I can already kind of picture, I bet, I without asking you and without knowing in advance, I, I bet I know what watch it is. So we'll, I'll ask yeah, you probably. after. Yeah, yeah. When yeah, we're definitely, done. yeah. Well, hey, we got to wrap fairly soon. We're at about an hour. I know um, Greg's got a heart out and we've, you know, uh, occupied you for a fair bit. Greg, do you want to start wrapping? Do you have any kind of final recommendations? Yeah, sure. Um, don't usually t recommend uh, a podcast. Um, we talk about a couple of our friends like Riss Cheese and Whiskey and Watches and Rico's and, of course, Grey NATO and Fighter some of our favorites pilot. out there, Fighter Pilot. But, uh, out of the watch universe, um, a big fan of 99% invisible. Do you guys, have you guys ever listened to or heard of that podcast? No. No. Pretty big. Um, 
mostly like uh, architectural and design, but not oh, nice. from like a really insider perspective. It's sort of about the design that we don't think about, right? You might go through a city and notice, um, you know, the bus stop, right? Like, or it could be sort of architecture, you know. Uh, anyway, really cool uh, 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 podcast, but they recently did an episode. It's episode 537 called Paved Paradise. And they do basically a historical retrospective on particularly Los Angeles and then Los Angeles's uh, policy toward providing parking spaces for residents and how it impacts the rest of the country, you know, at the, at the turn of the century and how quickly LA was to adopt car culture. And at a certain point, you know, up until very recently, you know, for every, you know, new, for new construction, every, you know, bed that's produced, there has to be, or for every unit that's produced, there has to be two and a half parking spaces. That's, yeah. that's really hard in dense areas. Right. So yeah, just the, really. the policy perspectives and sort of the implications on sort of LA's early adoption of car culture and how they started to, regulate policy uh tied to it sounds way drier they tell good stories it's well done it's well produced it's a big it's a big podcast uh but super cool you know relevant to us in socal but also expanded out through you know through sort of other other cities and stuff very cool yeah greg with the big brain well i guess we're talking motorsports today and cars so why not why not bring it all together right yeah absolutely we got uh, grand prix coming up we got le mans coming up i don't Lamont, yeah, it's. Uh, I I don't care what people say about Indy. Indy's a big deal, but Lamont's really the biggest race in my mind. <laughs> yeah. Anyhow, dude, Zach, we don't want to put you on the spot, but if you have anything, feel free. Otherwise, I'm just going to drive on. I've got a a recommendation of my own. Yeah, go for it. Yeah. All right. So check this out. This I I got on a bit of a James Bond cake. Like I'm a. Uh oh, we've had an uncommanded loss of internet connection. Stand by while I execute the signal reconnect checklist. Give me just a moment here. Okay, and after that pregnant silence, if you are still with me, by which I mean Matt, I am not with Greg anymore. It is a couple days later. This sounds a little bit odd, but uh, you have made it to the end of the episode. Congratulations and thank you for sticking it out. You have discovered, as we did, basically, after uh, a day or two having done the recording, that the last two to three minutes of at least one of the audio input channels, the uh, the data was corrupted and we lost the last maybe three minutes of the episode. It was literally just my final notes. So I'm actually uh, recording a quick kind of custom outro on location over a beer at Wingwalker Brewing in San Gabriel Valley. And really all I was gonna do was to, um, to offer as a final notes, a, a recommendation for a James Bond related book. So, you know, we did a few episodes ago, we did a Bond cocktails uh, suggestion, kind of a hypothetical what if he didn't drink the martinis, etc. And I've been kind of going down the Bond rabbit hole as I do every few years. I'm a pretty big fan. I know a lot of you are uh, big fans as well. The James Bond archives is a reference book that you probably should have. If you don't have your own sort of encyclopedic knowledge, kept kind of in your own, uh, you know, uh, the database in your head. This is probably about the best reference you can get. It's a chronological order breakdown of all of the films, including No Time to Die. So this is updated. This is uh, edited by Paul Duncan. It is Duncan, right? Yeah, looking at my notes. Yep, Paul Duncan. And essentially, this is just a ton of really good, high-quality, behind-the-scenes 
photography, a lot of, uh, you know, in-depth analysis of each film, interviews with the stars, with the production principles and that kind of thing. And this thing is a, to say it's a coffee table book, does it a disservice? It's really more of a coffee table. It's so huge. So that is my recommendation if you're in any way a fan and want to know more about the films. The films specifically, the James Bond archives is for you. So again, thanks for sticking it, uh, sticking it out, making it to the end of the episode. I'd like to extend on behalf of both Greg and myself, um, thank you to the guys from the Anti-Watch Watch Club, especially Zach, who joined us for this episode. Zach, we're sorry we had you uh, cut off there. But, uh, you know, I guess the good news is you literally um, had pretty much said everything. So I'm just going to drop this in at the end. Sorry for the little uh, awkward nature of this, but... After 70-odd episodes, I'm frankly shocked that something like this hasn't happened yet. And I'm just going to count my blessings. With that, I'm going to have a beer. I say cheers to all of you. Thanks for listening. Bye. We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com. As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.